Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, On Cinema Super Collider, we look at the 1971 science fiction movie, The Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston. This is one of the many adaptations of a book called I Am Legend by Richard Matheson. Um, we actually watched all of the basic main ones that, that you can find uh, in preparation for the show. While we're going to be mostly talking about The Omega Man... We also took a look at I Am Legend starring Will Smith, which is probably the most modern of the adaptations. I believe it came out in 2007. And then we also looked at the original adaptation of the material, which was starring Vincent Price, Mm -hmm. The Last Man on Earth. Yes. And the the book by Richard Matheson was called I Am Legend. Right, exactly. But the movie I Am Legend is probably the farthest from the book. In a way, I think that... I think that the the film version of it leans way more into the science fiction element of the book rather than the horror element of the book. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say it's a horror movie, but I, I think that the the ideas that are presented in it are more sci-fi than yeah, anything the, else. Yeah, the typical horror stuff that's from The Last Man on Earth is vampires, but the vampires are not that scary, and the vampires were from the book, right? Right. In the book, so just a a basic rundown of what happens in the source material, I Am Legend. There there is a bacterial thing that is being passed through the bites of vampire bats and some other creatures that are causing some sort of a vampirism disease that is killing people and mutating people. And the people that it out and out kills are essentially coming back to life as vampires. Um, And in all of the traditional senses, they suck blood, they can only go out at night, they're um, weak against garlic and sunlight, they're repelled by mirrors. mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's a very traditional vampire thing. In the course of the story, though, it does kind of seem like there's two groupings of the the quote-unquote afflicted people. There's people who seem more like traditional vampires, and then there's people who seem more like traditional, what we think of nowadays as zombies. Over the course of the book, we, we're reading the story from the viewpoint of Robert Neville, who is the last man on Earth, right? He's not affected by this pandemic at all, and he's on a one-man mission to wipe out all of the vampires stuff happens and the vampires and the zombies he doesn't know the difference he doesn't know the difference they're they're all inside during the daytime he comes out at 
during the day, obviously, and goes around and kills them indiscriminately. Yes, exactly. Over the course of, of the book, though, he runs into some uh, people, specifically through one woman named Ruth, who are infected, but they are alive. They're not infected and undead. They are the new version of humanity, and they're kind of tired of him murdering everyone. So they hunt him down, and eventually he becomes the the legend, right? He becomes the Dracula that these people... He am legend. He is. He am legend. Uh, he becomes the Dracula figure by which, you know, these this new form of humanity is going to tell their children and their... Right. He only comes them. out at day and then sneaks into your house and kills you. With, yeah, wooden stakes. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is pretty clever. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting take on it. Which is only really fully embraced by Vincent Price in The Last Man on Earth from 1964. Yeah, that is also the only one of the three movie adaptations that Richard Matheson had any hand in developing the screenplay for. So he, he had written the original screenplay for the movie, and then it was kind of taken from him and put through more Hollywood screenwriters. And then by the time it got to the, the actual filming stage, Richard Matheson didn't like it and didn't want his name associated with it. So he is credited in Last Man on Earth under a pseudonym because he didn't want his name on it in a very Stephen King sort of turn <laughs> yeah like, which is kind of funny because the book that he wrote was not received well no it wasn't people it was were like, like you know he, they didn't make his book faithfully but nobody liked his book to begin with yeah that being said i am legend is one of the sort of cultural touchstones that significantly influenced not only filmmakers but people who have developed video games, people, there's, there are songs. I think the police actually have a song called Omega Man, which is based on yeah. I Am Legend. That's, that's the source for that. I know they got a song called Demolition Man. Maybe they got an Omega no, Man too. I think, yeah. I think it's Omega Man is okay. the name of the song. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it had far reaching pop culture implications. And one of the most significant ones is that before I Am Legend was published, if you said zombie, what people would most likely think of is the voodoo tradition of possession and, you know. Right. A live person would be put to sleep with some potion or something and then and become the slave, the thrall of the master. Right. That's right. what a zombie was. But after the I Am Legend. Or a delicious drink. Yes, or a delicious drink, truth. One of the most significant people who was influenced by this story was George A. Romero, who notably made Night of the Living Dead, which is really the beginning of the modern zombie movie and also the idea of the modern zombie. Yeah, it all grows from the Richard Matheson book. Right. Right. And don't forget Ray Dennis Steckler, who came up with the mixed up creatures who Grew, grew up and became, uh, what was it called? The something creatures that grew up and became mixed up zombies. Something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I would say that Romero had a much, yeah, much stronger and more important role in the creation of the modern zombie. Oh yeah, Ray Dennis Steckler didn't really have a hand in it. No, no, not at well. I'm not going to say not at all, but I'm going to say the comparison is quite different. Yeah, definitely. Right. So the last man on on Earth was made in '64, and then. Somewhere along the line, Charlton Heston, on a flight, I think from Los Angeles to wherever it was that he was going to be filming, 
got his hands on a copy of I Am Legend, read it, and was like, somebody should make a movie out of this. Yeah, he was into making science fiction movies at that time. He'd done Planet of the Apes by then. Mm -hmm. Maybe the sequel, I don't remember. Well, Soylent Green. He was on his way to doing Soylent Green, that's yeah. right. Oh, that's true. Soylent, Soylent Green. Green was done by the same producer as this movie. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, I feel like <laughs> I feel like this was sort of a time that was rife for science fiction horror movies, right? Because we had Soylent Green and Silent Running, and uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Logan's Run, mm -hmm. maybe that was a little earlier, but still, you mm -hmm. know, the idea of sort of, you know sci-fi apocalyptic right worldviews mm -hmm. was well and i think that in the 70s a lot of apocalyptic worldviews were kind of popping up all over the place i know that there were fairly strong tensions between the ussr and china which is factored into omega man that's how the the pathogen or right. is it a pathogen i should use the right term. yeah pa a pathogen is a correct term i okay. think that it's in some they refer to it as a bacillus which is a bacterium right and some i i think maybe in the will smith version it's a virus uh but uh, either way it's a pathogen pathogen very good use of the word pathogen. thank you i just i'm i'm never 100 percent sure with my science words but mm -hmm. you know i got a scientific consultant here on the on the podcast that would be me yes not only science, but also medicine. We got both. <laughs> science, we got bo medicine, maybe physics sometimes. Yeah, it's like country and Western music. <laughs> science exactly and right. medicine. Um, so, so yeah. So I know that the there historically were tensions between those two countries. the The way that this whole thing kicks off in the Omega Man is that in the course of the war between China and Russia, they were using biological warfare, and this pathogen is what was being used to kill people in the war. And, you know, funny how releasing some kind of a, you know, bacteria or virus or whatever, fill in the blank, into the world somehow spreads worldwide. I don't even understand how that might be a possibility in the modern times. COVID-23 on the way. Yeah, I know. Or uh, uh, I always think of, in one of the Kurt Vonnegut books, there's a... Um, it's not actually a pathogen. It's like they shrink down Chinese people to be very, very tiny and, and they like expel them into the world and that's how people die as they breathe in what is, is essentially a, a, you know, like a pathogen or a bacteria or whatever, but it's actually really, really tiny people. That's weird. I didn't read that book, whichever one that is. Yeah, I can't remember which one it is, but I really liked it. <laughs> um, anyhow, so that's that's how things get kicked off in the version of I Am Legend, a.k.a. The Omega Man, that we're primarily going to be focused on today. Um, so, as we mentioned, Charlton Heston stars in this. He's got some big-ass teeth. That's he really does. I was going to try and do an impression of Charlton Heston, but I don't think I can. So it's I'm just going to I'm going to leave it to the imagination of the listener that I'm doing a bad Charlton Heston impression. Mm-hmm. Every yes. once in a while. Just imagine a really angry old white man yelling at clouds. And then <laughs> when he's done yelling at the clouds, he shoots them with a lot of guns. My only version of Charlton Heston would be the end of Planet of the Apes. You know, you maniacs, you maniacs, you blew it up. Damn you, damn you all to hell. I kind of like the sort of like very deadpan Charlton Heston impression. Yeah, you know, it's very relaxed. <laughs> it is. It's very relaxed. I would not say there's anything about Charlton Heston's acting that is relaxed in any movie I've ever seen him in. 
this movie starts with Charlton Heston in a Ford driving like a maniac through empty Los Angeles where there are no cars on the streets anywhere. And I know how they did that trick. Oh, how did they do it? So, uh, back in the 70s, if you worked in downtown Los Angeles where all the businesses were and all the shops were, nothing was open on Sundays. So, there was no reason for anyone to be anywhere near the business district. So, the streets essentially looked at like a zombie apocalypse had happened and cleared everything out. They didn't really have to do a lot to film in, in those areas during the weekends. So... They did a good job of trying to keep people like random. I'm sure they got the proper permits and such um, for what it was worth. Well, yeah, because this is a major motion picture. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, of course. They, they did. didn't steal it just because they were, you know, there's nobody on the streets. Like, what if somebody just walked out there? Well, they they did have it. Apparently, we didn't look close enough in some of those shots because there are occasionally like random cars in the very far. Like, oh, I didn't see any of the moving shots, cars. Yeah, and there I, were occasionally people walking around in the very like like long distance. Okay, I bet if yeah, if you look closely, I bet you could see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be really, really difficult to completely empty out a Los Angeles like city block. Yeah. Well, I didn't notice it, so I didn't either. But that's how they managed to do it. Now, nowadays, I don't think that you would be able to do the same thing unless you legitimately. It would just be CGI today. Yeah, I suppose It'd be CGI streets and a CGI car. It would be like Grand Theft Auto, L.A. Well, and here's, you know, here's, <clears throat> Megan is going to have one criticism. Well, that's probably not true. I'm going to probably have many criticisms because one of the things that I've been playing an awful lot of lately is a game called Project Zomboid, which is about essentially a zombie apocalypse that happens in. You're Omegan Man. I'm Omegan Man. I'm Omegan Woman, but. <laughs> <laughs> Omegan Person. It's, it's a zombie apocalypse that takes place in the state of Kentucky. Now, one of the things that happens in zombie apocalypses, especially if the pathogen by which you are inhaling and dying from is very fast and very like quickly on set, is you're not going to have time to move your car out of the street. There are no cars anywhere in Omega Man. Like he is literally driving like a maniac down empty streets. That's just not going to happen in the zombie apocalypse. There's going to be like burned out cars, cars crashed places. So that's that's Megan's zombie apocalypse complaint number one. Yeah, well, you look at the Walking Dead. There were bombed out cars, dead cars everywhere. Oh yeah, I mean, there's know. a whole sequence where he he he's riding the horse into Atlanta, right? And because you can't drive a you car. You can't drive a car because because the panic. Everybody tried to get out of Atlanta, and all of the highways are clogged with you know cars that are either left behind or people just straight up died in. Well, and it's a really cool spiffy looking shot too. Very yeah. iconic. It is. With him with his uh, his uh, cop hat on, his, mm-hmm. his trooper hat on, with a gun on his back, riding into town, just like an old cowboy. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So anyway, I do have to say that um, the fact that this is actual, like, at the time, 1970s, whatever, Los Angeles, like, they didn't have to dress the sets a lot to make it look kind of shitty and kind of trashy. Like, there was just a lot of garbage laying around. <laughs> Yeah, the sets in Omega Man were really good, I would say. I think that the Omega Man sets, at least in terms of enjoyment and, and entertainment, were the best of any of the movies that were based on the, the book. There's a few of them that are still still either used or that have been preserved on the movie lot that they, they shot on. Um, in fact, the one that the family appears in, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, uh, is actually the the same set that they used for 
the commissioner's office in the Batman TV series. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, and it was also in Ojai, where last week, uh, on our last show, if you listened last week, our uh, 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 John Never. Stamos inherited his farm up there. So it's like where John Stamos's farm was, too. True, but it wasn't the exact same building. It wasn't the exact same building, but it was the exact same building where they filmed Roar. No, it wasn't. I was just making that up. I was just throwing that out there, trying to trying to throw you off base. <sighs> Anyway, anyway, I would have to say that uh, the last man on earth had the most accurate set dressings. I think that Vincent Price's sort of like lazy, uh, you know, elderly, well, he's not elderly, middle-aged man's uh, uh, apocalypse house would kind of look for real. Oh, yeah, it was a total shit heap. Yeah. Um, but the most interesting one was Charles he- Charlton Heston's like swinging bachelor pad, like like Playboy After Dark is what I said as soon as I saw it. It was just, you know, it had like red shag carpeting and gold accents and everything was gold and brown and green. Well, it was in, 70s. Uh, yeah, 1971. Yeah. It's not green. It's avocado, Eric. Avocado. Yes. 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 And it's, uh, what is it? Sunshine gold or something like that. Harvest gold. Harvest gold. That's it. Yes, yeah. that's the right one. Now, here's the thing, people. If you are going to build your zombie apocalypse base, okay, number one, Make sure that it is in a building that has more than one story. That is my first my first critique of Vincent Price's base in The Last Man on Earth. He built everything on ground level, which means that when you have a mob of semi-sentient zombies coming at you, they're going to constantly like bust out your windows, and there's always the possibility that one of them's going to get inside. And if you're trying to take a nap, you don't want that to happen. So... I do give Charlton Heston in Omega Man credit because his base was built on the fifth floor penthouse of, I'm not sure what they would call that type of building in Los Angeles, but it's like a, you know, like a apartment building. Yeah, it was, I think it was a five-story elevator mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was like a five-story building that had, you know, apartments and stuff. And of course, the penthouse, the one he lived in, was the one where the elevator opened directly into, oh, of course, into yeah. the house. It wouldn't have it any other way. There were also generators there. They showed generators. If you're going to survive in the zombie apocalypse, you need to make sure that you have a good generator system because you don't want to find yourself with no electricity. There's a number of reasons why you need it. And in this case, it's because the creatures that are part of what's called the family, they are very sensitive to light. And so at nighttime, it's important to get your generator running so that the floodlights can keep them away from your house. Right. That's one way to do it. Yes. Uh, Will Smith was secretive somehow. They didn't know where he lived when he was living in Washington Square and in the center of Manhattan. True, but those creatures weren't quite the same as the the ones that we're talking about when we talk about the Omega Man. No, they were very different. The Omega Man creatures were more like the zombies and didn't really have anything to do with vampires or anything like that. Right. They were more of a cult than anything else. I would say they're actually kind of more like mutants, like the Morlocks. Yeah. In the, well, they're like an albino, albinos, right? They're they're extreme albinos, right. basically. So, so the the people who, they have the mark, right? Which is those uh, those crazy white contact lenses. contact lenses. Yes, right? exactly. They're the, the the they're the opposite of the demon contact lenses, where it turns your whole eye black. 
These right. are the ones that turn your whole eye white, except for the one tiny pinpoint of like light that they allow through to your pupil. Right. So that right. as an actor, you don't just run into things. Right. Yeah. Those are cool. They're really yeah, cool. They, yeah, they, they were a good look. The, Most of the time they wore sunglasses in the, in the film so that they didn't have to be wearing those contacts all the time. Right. Because back in the seventies, when you had to wear the special effects contact lenses, those were the ones that were essentially just. Well, they didn't have soft lenses back in no, those days. No, it was it just was like a big hard piece of glass over your whole eye. Yeah, not not comfy, not good. I mean, the 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 SFX contact lenses nowadays, which are way more comfortable to wear than say like the ones that these actors had to deal with, they're still not that comfortable because they're really big. Yeah, I you know I always thought that putting something on your eye that you buy at a pop up Halloween store is just a bad idea. You know, I, I you mean, go in there and you're like, oh, zombie eyes. I Maybe I should get these. Oh, wait a minute. It's, yeah. Are wait, you? Yeah. Were these produced in some sort of like lab that had, you know, some some sort of like cleanliness, uh, uh, you know, specificity or something like that? And Are you I, saying that Spirit Halloween does not contract out with a perfectly hygienic, uh, uh, hermetically whatevered lab? No, it's just some guy's like garage in Kowloon. It's it's more likely like small children in Mexico and or China. Okay. You know, look, a little spit that'll clear up anything, really. Well, you only wear them for a short time, uh, those, and you throw them out. Unless you keep them. No, I would. uh, They'd be green and furry by the next year. Well, (laughs) speaking as someone whose costumes were occasionally green and furry because of burlesque reasons, uh, you never know how long those cosplayers are going to have the demon eye special. Floating around in a jar of saline somewhere. Oh my god! Yeah, it'd be like in a pickle jar. That you know what, Eric? That's how you get a zombie apocalypse. That's how you get a zombie apocalypse. You know who did that? Valerie Perrine did that and can't stop the music. Well, she served her her contact lenses up in some lasagna. Oh, that's right. They ended up in the lasagna. See, all these problems can happen with contact lenses. You don't even know. Yeah. Uh, poor pasta presentation at your guest's dinner party. Mm-hmm. Uh, zombie apocalypse. Right. And uh, cosplay problems. You could ruin the whole village people career if you do that. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, back to this movie where uh, it starts with Charlton Heston zooming through the empty streets of Los Angeles. And he, he runs into a telephone pole or something like an idiot. And then he goes and like gets a brand new Mustang out of the dealership. You know, it's covered in dust, and he talks to the owner. He's like, well, maybe I could get a better deal out of you. Oh, I guess not. Well, you're a chiseler anyway. And he just drives through the glass of the auto place and drives out in his new Mustang. I mean, you know, these things happen. Like, who are you around to impress with your car? No one. And we should also mention, because it is Charlton Heston, he is armed to the teeth and is shooting guns the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Course. Yeah. Just, well, just assume... In this movie, if there's not any specific action happening, it's just Charlton Heston shooting guns at people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, he's, I guess, decided to get a little entertainment because God knows this is the 70s, so it's not like he could pop in a VHS tape and watch something on TV somewhere. Uh, So, he goes and watches the Woodstock documentary, which we actually did for the show not too terribly long ago. That's right. And uh, he... He watches, uh, I think it's a Country Joe and the Fish part, and uh, I can't remember what There's the There's like an are. interview with one of the guys that threw the, Yeah, the, the other one event. of the guys that put on the event, and then there was another little bit of a musical clip, but it was pretty kind of cool. Now, here's an interesting fact, uh-huh. which I'm, I, I'm kind of wondering if you might know this or not. Okay. 
The Omega Man scene that we are describing is the reason why Joel Hodgson created MST3K. Wow, I did not know that. It and was, we saw him speak live about that. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did he say that there and you remember it and I don't? Or did you see that recently? No, I was reading about the, the movie in and uh, of okay, itself. So, and yeah. yeah, Joel has mentioned in, in interviews that this was this scene. where Because wow. Charlton Heston is talking along with the movie. Because right. he's seen it so many times. Right, yeah, yeah. That at this point, he's kind of riffing on it. And also, he just knows all the lines to it. Yeah, yeah. And we see him coming out of the movie theater, and he's like, damn you! And he looks at his watch because it's dark. It's getting dark. Well, he, he has a bit of a hallucination. I can't remember if it's when he gets the car. Yeah, or no, I think it's the, when he comes out of the theater. Yeah, he has a bit of an auditory hallucination where he thinks he hears just hundreds of telephones ringing. Yes, we see things that are called what phone booths oh, on the street. You mean where uh, there's a phone in a booth? Yeah, and it has a circular thing on there where you put your finger in and make circles with it. Yes. I don't know. It's something like a trackpad or something. I don't know. Mm, it's crazy. It's where you dial. <laughs> it's a di- Is it a dial? Uh, we're, we're joking, but uh, a friend of mine recently took her daughter to the American Girl place where apparently the newest American Girl doll was from 1999, and they have like their little display set up with all of the stuff on it. And all of these are historical artifacts, of course, because they correspond with the doll's story, one of which was a touch-tone phone. Yeah, but kids today have never seen one. No, they've never had to dial a phone. Right, Yeah. right. Because that's not that's not that's not how you call people now. Yeah. First no. off, you don't call people anymore. No, I guess you don't. You, you just, just send text. Them a text. Yeah. Isn't that funny? You know, you thought that it, it, sending messages it, like when you go back to like 2001 as a as an example or something. Well, I guess they did like FaceTime in 2001, which yeah. is that's the way. If you are going to call somebody now, that's more likely that you do FaceTime or a Zoom meeting or something with them than it is to just call them and talk to them oh, on yeah, the phone. Oh, yeah, it's super weird, like, my day job. Like, it's super weird when I have to call somebody and try to explain something over the phone. Like, they don't, you know, like, I don't know how to do this thing. And it's like, well, I mean, I can try describing it to you, or I can just, like, take over your screen and show it to you. Yeah, well, also, the old landline phones had much better audio than cell phones. Even the most modern of cell phones today. Is you that talk too your loud. opinion? Or no, 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 that, no, no, no. This okay. is absolutely true. When you, when you talk too loud, it cuts off the other person's voice because of like the, you know, feedback and stuff. None of that happened on phones. Mm. That was, it was a very, very clear connection on a, on a telephone. But since we don't talk on phones so much anymore, it doesn't really matter. Mm. I just put it on speakerphone and let my mom talk for 20 minutes. Uh <laughs> Progress, the future. In the old days, you had to have your phone on your shoulder and let your mom talk at you for 20 minutes. Yes. Now you can just put it down and get some other work done. Just wander off. <laughs> wander off. You could actually do that with a, with a regular phone, though, too. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I ever did that. Yeah, like with a desk-type phone, you, there was actually like a, like, on, you know, the cradle where you'd set the, you know, the handset down, like in front of the cradle, there was like a like a little area where you could set the phone like off the hook and it would sit on the phone. Do you recall that? Mm, vaguely, yes. Yeah, well, you're 10 years younger than I am. I'm the old one here. Well, so he's he's struggling to maintain his sanity and he, you know, barely makes it back to his fortified penthouse fortress uh, before all of the, the 
zombie goons kind of close in around him. And we should say that we should start referring to them as the family because that's what they're called in this version of the of the film. The, okay, we'll call them the family. Yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying that that's what that's what they're referred to specifically in this version of the story. The family are kind of a cult, I would say, that is led by one of the afflicted called Matthias, who in the the previous times had been a newscaster. Yeah, we see clips. He does have like a special fancy TV set in his house, but we you mean see- you mean Charlton Heston? Charlton does. Heston does. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that was unclear. But yeah, we see flashbacks to him watching television, seeing Anthony Zerby, the actor who plays Matthias, talking about oh, you know the 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 bug is spreading and and everybody should stay inside and watch out and you know mask up and do all this other kind of stuff. And then he turns out to be the leader of the family after the apocalypse. Right. The family is against science. They're against technology. They're against all of the things that were from the prior version of humanity. They are pulling they they are very proudly pulling things backwards into barbaric times. And so they are really, really pissed about the fact that, uh, the character's name is Robert Neville. They're mm-hmm. really pissed that Neville is this man of science and mm-hmm. man of action. Yeah, they're, he, they're modern day Luddites. Yes, they don't even want to use guns and things like that. They they refuse to do that. And so they're very irked that this guy is around because he keeps shooting all of them, number one. And number two, he's kind of a constant reminder because he refuses to like go away from where they're at. So, well, and his job before all of this was as a researcher in a bioweapons facility. Yes. So, you know, he wasn't responsible for the exact uh, bacillus that went around killing everybody, but he was in the U.S. branch of doing that exact type of research. Exactly. And so everybody knows that and everybody wants him dead because as soon as he's gone, then the new world can begin. Exactly. In this version of the I Am Legend story, Neville creates a vaccine, which in the course of in the course of the, the flashback of the, the pants vaccine is <laughs> the pants vaccine in the course of the early flashback of like what was happening right as all of the germ, you know, warfare stuff was hitting the U.S. We see him get into a helicopter. The helicopter crashes because the, the guy who's piloting it comes down with the the plague I believe that's what they refer to it as in the yeah, film. He immediately succumbs, like one minute he's okay, and the next minute, plop. yes, this is a very fast acting plague. You could you could just suddenly get it in a minute, even several years after it's been active in the world. Yeah, and so mid helicopter ride, uh, the pilot dies, and it is, the helicopter crashes, and Neville is succumbing to the plague. We see him, he's crawling out of the wreckage, he's bleeding everywhere, but you can see that he can't breathe, and he's very clearly going to die from this, until he pulls out his handy syringe of vaccine and shoots himself up in the pants. That's right. Right, yes. And that and that's the thing that saved him. Is his pants vaccine. His pants vaccine. Yeah, it's very important when you're getting a vaccine, everybody, to make sure you're wearing the appropriate clothing. Right. Yes. And so that in that kind of just sets and then we see him in his apartment, which is like he's got like a super quadraphonic stereo system and he listens to jazz. Megan's base building technique uh, number two 
if you have a lot of time on your hands, because you're the only person who lives in the entire world that's not afflicted by some weird plague, go to the art gallery, steal the paintings that you like. No one else is going to appreciate them. And if you, you know, go to the electronic store, you can pick anything out you want because you don't have to pay money anymore. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what he did. And that's why it's also very important to have a generator, because if you want to enjoy your... He, he had a, a, a eight-track player, right? Well, oh, yeah. There was a lot of eight-track player going There's on. There's a lot of eight... It yeah. seemed like the eight-track... Uh, he had an eight-track player in the, in the, in the Ford. Yes. Yeah. The eight-track uh, playing association was like, you know, uh, guys... Well, that was cutting edge back in 1971. I guess it was. Uh-huh. It seems like such a weird artifact of the past to speak about artifacts from the past it is it was a very bad format so yeah so he's got an eight track player he's got his like turntable he's got all the stuff but if you don't have a generator you can't play any of those things or turn on the lights or Or, turn on your fountain in front he had a special fountain too about that fountain Uh uh-oh more information more information so the fountain that originally was in place in front of that building that they were shooting in Mm -hmm. was the fountain that was used in the friends introduction. Oh, they didn't like it for the movie. So they they didn't want it for Omega man. Well, no, yes, they moved it and then they replaced it with the fountain that they used in Omega man because it's not really that big of a spoiler, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll fast forward to the very end of the movie. Charlton Heston is essentially crucified on the thing that's in the middle of the fountain Mm -hmm. in a very symbolic well, that's like a second crucifixion. There's many cruci- crucifixions yeah. in this movie, yeah. but yes, that is... He went from Ben-Hur to being crucified, you know, that's amazing. He was also, uh, the crucifixion imagery was also in a movie called Khartoum that he was in. Oh, I never saw that one. Yes, he was pierced with a spear. Oh, wow, the, mm-hmm. the spear of Longinus. Yes, also features very heavily in the movie Future Hunters, which is a weird movie that I like a lot. Oh, we should do that one again. That that was like one of our most ancient episodes, right? It's true. I think that one stinks of mothballs when you play it on your computer. Like, it, the aroma <laughs> of mothballs comes out. Speaking of artifacts from the past, yeah, that was one of our first, I think, dozen episodes we did on the original run of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's when we were recording with a little Zoom mic and a cardboard wall. Mm-hmm. And yeah. c- tin cans between the two of us. Tin cans. Yeah. We had cats climbing on us the whole time. Yeah, the, the whole oh, thing was actually just in, it was just in Morse code. Yeah, we used yeah. to drink moonshine. <laughs> well, you <laughs> Smoke <did>. cigars. Yes. <laughs> Curse the children. Curse the children as they ran around on the floor, rolled around in the dirt. And no, so anyway, uh, so uh, Charlton Heston has this wonderful place and he hangs out and he drinks, he's got all this wonderful stuff and he drinks J&B scotch. Anyway, so he does that, and and uh, he gets he gets captured. What happens? How does he get captured? I don't remember. There's because I watched all of the movies uh, like in on the same day. Yeah. So I'm having a little bit more difficulty. Eric Eric's brain. There's a lot of spaces in it, but only so many of them are for things that happened within the last the 24 most, hours. The, the, well, I mean, the most the, the most bestest of all the capturing things happened in the Will Smith version when they take uh, one of his favorite mannequins he likes to talk to and like perch it at the end of the street and he's like gary gary it can't be how did you get out here and he goes and runs toward the mannequin thinking he shoots it and then he runs toward it thinking that maybe it's a real person that he shot yeah. and of course the uh what are they called in that movie the night hunters or some something like that something like I think that they were called the hemo somethings but when i was watching it this time they were called something else but then they set up like a little uh like a spring trap 
that uh, pulls him up by his ankle. Yes. And uh, he's uh, uh, trapped over the street and he has to escape. That's the best trap of all of them. But what happens to, how does Charlton Heston get caught? So, right. So Charlton Heston does get caught. He, <laughs> as one might be in the apocalypse when you're the only, like, last surviving human, he has a touch of an alcohol problem. Not just the fact that he's drinking cheaper booze than Eric would agree to do. Well, it's the apocalypse. You can drink anything you want. So Charlton Heston, in his very busy day, uh, he he goes running. So he oh, does, yeah, he does a four-minute mile. <laughs> he does a four-minute mile. Uh, Charlton Heston in this particular film has major dad bod. So it's not that we doubt that he can run a mile. It's just that we doubt that he can run a four-minute mile. But you you do you, Charlton. That's cool. You know, we're not going to deny you that. It is a work of fiction by that way. He goes to the department store because why would you wash your clothes in the apocalypse when there's legitimately hundreds of clothing stores around? Oh my God, there's so much polyester. You could live like a king for a thousand years. So he gets himself a fresh, you know, set of, of clothes of active wear. And then he's like, you know what? It's time to hit the bar. So he goes to a bar, gets himself a drink. And he hears a noise coming from the basement where the wine cellar is. Oh, that's right. The wine cellar. And so he's like, well, you know what? I like, number one, shooting people that are not like me. And number two, booze. Yeah, there's a sign in the bar that's like, visit our amazing wine cellar. Right. So he goes down to the wine cellar. There is plenty of wine. And he's just kind of looking around, and at, at some point he gets distracted by probably booze. I'm not remembering the exact... I think he hears a sound coming from behind the bottles, maybe There's, a rat or something. Yeah, you know? something like that. Mm. And then what we see is that the family has set up an ambush for him, because they also know that he's a drunk. And they push... He probably stops off at that bar all the time. That's his favorite bar to like hang out at. It's probably located close by to things. Yeah, that's the only reason he would go there, because it was kind of a dirty joint yeah well i mean it's the apocalypse eric the cleaning staff hasn't been around for about two and a half years yeah that's true yeah so they push over an entire rack of wine onto him and then capture him yeah they they crush him under there knocked him out and then he comes to and they've got him tied up uh, like in the in the conference room in the conference room (laughs) it's like it's like well Today, on fa- like the family's agenda, we're going to have a conference about w- how we're going to murder this person that we don't like. But first, Matthias, do you want to extrapolate and expound upon your ideas of n- Ludditism? Yeah, and that's where he goes into the stuff that we talked about before that, you know. Now we should... He's, he's there for a trial, but they don't ever ask him any questions. There's not a trial. It's right. just basically them saying, like, we don't like science and we hate you and you murder all of our people. Right, and, we're going to burn you to death at a stake in Dodger Stadium. Yes, because, you know, showmanship, mm-hmm. you know. If you are going to have a cult, a little pomp and circumstance is... It's, yeah. it's welcome. Yeah. We should mention the way that the members of the family look. Now, Eric mentioned that they have the the contact lenses in with the sunglasses, but that's not all that happens when you become a member of the family. Well, you've got a thin layer of clown white on your face. <laughs> yes, you, you become albino. Which is, yeah. You, mostly the, somebody right, in the you makeup the department. costume store in the clown white, right? Yeah. And your hair turns white. Yes. And there are a lot of really bad wigs. There are. Um, and then yeah. you are given or a, if you have an afro you have like they put like they spray talcum that. powder or something or, oh yeah no, they it's, spray. A, it's a spirit halloween okay. um hairspray that's colored oh okay that's what it is right? yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's like you can spray the color on just enough 
so that it'll last about 20 minutes out into the real world and then it just starts to like not look right mm-hmm. and you were also issued uh, of one of a variety of black robe cape things oh yeah some are sparkly some are sparkly which leads me to ask like how do you rate a sparkly cape versus the off black sort of almost brown version yeah well the leader of the family had like this damask kind of he had fancy cape yeah it was not sparkly but then his his like you know lieutenant his second in command had the sparkliest one yes again available at spirit halloween <laughs> right he was the guy with the afro he was very very angry yes and he, he, like he wants to just bust in and shoot charlton heston and uh, the leader of the family's like uh no no we don't do that we don't shoot people we only kill them with spears or we burn them in dodger stadium we, we kill them with spears with arrows uh, in dodger stadium or at one point they had a siege weapon yeah, like a little ballista out there. Yes, they did. Cute. They yeah. had a they had a fire ballista. That yeah, they oh, were... that was cool. <laughs> and like a fireball comes into his apartment, he's just like puts it out with a fire extinguisher, <laughs> and it's like there's still a dripping ball of like of of creosote uh, like right oh, by sure. the window. But he's like, bah. yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I I did enjoy the sort of casual like way that Charlton Heston just sort of like walks up to the blazing, you know. Uh, to the blazing ball of, you know, tar or whatever it was that came mm-hmm. through his window. It's just been like, ah, these fucking <laughs> assholes. Yeah. Yeah. They're out there going, yeah, Neville, Neville, come out. You it's know. like having a really annoying three-year-old that wants yeah. your attention, but doesn't know how to ask in any other way other than like constantly saying your name in a sing-song fashion. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, whatever the thing is. But uh, so he's about to be killed in Dodger Stadium. Oh, and it, well, see, and, and this woman, Lisa who he had seen before posing as a mannequin in the mannequin store when he was buying clothes. Buying, in quotation marks. <laughs> buying clothes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, liberating clothes. Uh, it, she and uh, a friend of hers rescue him, and there's a, a thrilling escape from Dodger Stadium on a motorcycle. Yes, apparently Charlton Heston had to learn how to ride and s- drive a motorcycle for this particular scene. Hmm. However, it is abundantly clear in this film that there is a stunt man doing almost all of this motorcycle oh, stunt. They didn't even try to no. match Charlton Heston. They did not. The The man that is doing this stunt is wearing a horrible wig that is gray. I mean, Charlton Heston's not young in this film, but he's not. His a, hair is not gray. His hair is not gray. No, like, I, I wonder if they even bothered, like, to... You know, maybe know. maybe in the uh, uh, Hollywood, uh, in the props department, they just have a wig called The Heston, and it happens to be gray. <laughs> I don't know, but but none of his films prior to that would have been gray. No, I guess not. I think it was just, maybe it was one of the family wigs that was like laying oh, around. Oh, I bet that's what it was. They were like, here, like the, just put this wig the on. white family wigs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So he escapes with the help of Lisa, who's played by Rosalind Cash. And uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Dutch. Dutch, who's looks like just straight out of central casting. He looks like Peter Fonda. A little of, bit. Yeah. yeah, from like Easy Rider. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I yeah, think, he's like thin as a twig, you know. I think that that's, He's like a senior medical student. He is a senior medical student. Yeah, well, he, he was until medical school shut down. Right. He was going to go into bacterial warfare, but he didn't get a chance. Yes, because he can quote all of the names of the, the articles and research papers that 
Charlton Heston's character has published. Yeah, that's pretty good for a senior medical student. I, I mean, I, if, if he was going to go into the research, of course, he should have known that. But I mean, it was just a, it was a nice touch. It's been a couple of years, though. I don't think I could remember the names of a bunch of like germ warfare research articles that I read my senior year of medical school. Well, you know, he reads that at night to fall asleep, too. What so is, what is considered your senior year of medical school? Well, it's the fourth year of fourth medical year? school, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I didn't know, like... Yeah, I mean, it would be the fourth year. They're M4s. You yeah, know. I, I never... I, a million years ago, I worked for a, a university medical school, and, and I don't remember anyone ever saying that they were a senior in medical school. Yeah. Well, it's like in law school, aren't they called, like... Don't, don't they... Ref, ref, is it like a 2J, or is like, that's your sophomore year, or is it a J2, or something like that? I don't think that they use terms like freshman and sophomore year in law no, school. No, no, no. I think it's like 2J, you're like a 2J or a 3J think, or something like that. I think like they that. just say like second year or third oh, year. Okay. I don't know. but I don't know. I, 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 went, I don't know. I went to neither of those professional schools. I went to schools. the medical school. I did not go to law school. So I guess here's my question. So for, don't take law advice from me. Or me. even though Or medical advice. This is not a medical advice show. And you, if you go, take any medical advice from me, you're on your own. If you feel I that, am not legally responsible. If you feel you have the zombie plague, please immediately go to an emergency room. But just know and that... Dial 911. Just know that everyone else will probably be there as well. and or then Whatever country your thing is, yeah. They're going to lock you in the Walking Dead uh, morgue room that says... Uh, don't open dead inside or yeah, yeah, don't dead so, open yeah. inside. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. On second thought, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Just listen to my advice. You're better off for the zombie plague. That's true. Actually, we should, I should mention in the Vincent Price version of this, uh, his daughter gets sick and his wife's like, we got to call the doctor. We got to call the doctor. And he's like, no, don't call the fucking doctor. Well, he doesn't say fucking, but uh, he's like, don't call the doctor. All they're going to do is like haul our child away because everyone's sick. No one knows how to cure this. Yeah. Guess what happens? They haul the child away because mm. she's dead and sick. Right. And then they throw her in a big burning pit. Right. Yeah. That's not going to happen to my wife. I'm going to bury her where she can easily dig out and come back. Yeah. It's a very pet cemetery moment. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, so Lisa and Dutch and uh, uh, Neville, Charlton Heston, they all go up to the, to the farm there up in Ojai and uh, there's a bunch of like uh, kids, like kids, most part. kids there, because if you were a young person, it gives you some resistance to the disease. But as you get older, you will eventually succumb. It's like the chicken pox. Everybody's probably going to get it, except for me. Uh, and it's, you know, you probably got the pants vaccine when you were little. And don't, I don't probably remember. did. Well, I got the pants vaccine when I was older because I thought I was immune. And then my doctor was like, there's a real easy way for us to test that. And I was like, OK. And then the test came back and he's like, you are, in fact, not immune. How about getting the vaccine? Yeah. Well, he's going to hang out there with them. But then they show him uh, Lisa's, what is this? Her cousin? Brother? Yeah. Her younger brother, Richie. Richie. Yeah. And uh, he's just about to turn. He's he's like in the last stages. His, His skin is turning white. His eyeballs are almost white. His hair is turning white. And uh, he looks terminal. So they want to, so uh, uh, Neville wants to take him back to Los Angeles to his place or to his lab, which is next to his place or in the it's basement. It's part of his place. Okay. Yeah. Look. Now, Will Smith, it's the basement of his place. Yes. It's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's hard to tell the sort of like the room layout of the, of Neville's base because it's never really 100% shown you know yeah. that, that everything everything kind of seems like maybe it's in different places but i'm pretty sure that 
Well, first they have to go to like a hospital or an engineering department or something to pick up some equipment, which right. is where you saw the centrifuge you got very excited about. Oh, yeah. It was one of those antique centrifuges. It was really cool. And then there was like... It wasn't an antique, but it was an older centrifuge. Then there was an intensity machine. A mid-century modern centrifuge. All the cool people want that in their houses or their labs today if you want to be hip. I guess. You got to get one of those. <laughs> well, when when we finally build you a lab here, you Take sweetie. these giant test tubes. Yes, and spin them around. Right. So he's got some kind of a lab setup. It's like a lab slash workshop setup because yeah. you know it's it's not like you yeah, can go to the hardware store, lab, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got like a, a like, like an air compressor and yeah, he's stuff. he's got, he's like got a stuff. regular shop. Yeah, sure. So they want to take it's really practical. So they want to take Richie back to the the actual medical lab that he's got set up so that he can do actual medical experiments on him with you know some semblance of science which he does and you know in in the course of the magic of cinema he creates the cure from his own blood yeah works fine mm-hmm. yeah so richie comes back he does he makes a miraculous recovery yeah and then as soon as he's better he starts pinging on charlton heston like are you sure you're the good guy you killed all these other people i'm gonna you know i i wonder about you you're just as bad as the rest of them and he's like, eh, shut up, kid. And uh, as soon as uh, his back is turned, Richie runs out and uh, goes to the family right. to, to talk to them and say, hey, you know, Neville's not really that bad. And they grab him. Yes. But before all of this happens, yet in the same apartment and perhaps in the same area, I don't know. It's very, it's very hard to tell. There is, of course, a love scene between Charlton Heston and Rosalind Cash. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. She comes out in a sexy dress. She, I see. I think it's a caftan. Uh, I thought it was a dashiki. I don't think it's a dashiki because okay. I think that that has a different cultural. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it had like an African theme to it. And it had, I like, don't that think so. Collar. I, think, I think it was just a fancy caftan with like metallic thread in it. Oh, uh, okay. It well, was good though. Like, well, I I defer to your judgment in terms of. Uh, she it was beautiful. It was beautiful costuming. Very nice necklace uh, that she had going on with it as well. I give it. You know, I give it. I give it a high high rating. I would say. Now, of course, you can go to any department store in the zombie apocalypse and buy whatever clothing that you want. I do question some of her other outfits, though, because they seem like very working woman outfits, like silk blouses with like, you know, like the pencil skirt and stuff. And I don't know if in the zombie apocalypse, and granted, I'm I'm continue to refer to this as a zombie apocalypse, but like the family aren't zombies. They're just different. Let's say the, the post-pandemic apocalypse. I don't think I would be walking around in like a smart skirt and blouse. Yeah, but, but she looked good in it. She looked great. She looked great in all of her costuming. You know, she's got head wraps that Ooh, she's and got on. out of her costuming. Right. Know. She does get naked in this. And in fact, so a couple of things to note about this scene. Firstly, I don't know that this is the first interracial kiss in a film, but it's one of the first. And one of the reasons that, that the producers and the casting folks wanted to cast a woman of color to be Charlton Heston's love interest in this is they wanted to sort of like have the point of like you know it's the apocalypse you you get what you get you know there's you don't get to have necessarily as much of a choice and there's even lines in the course of the of the romancing where he's like you know if you're the last girl in the world and i'm the last boy in the world then you know the song lyrics go like this and it's kind of like okay so what you're saying is that 
it's just because she's the last woman in the world that you're just going to get with her because of reasons. And yet, it was groundbreaking. And yes, yeah, it was groundbreaking. Whoopi Goldberg, like in the 90s, was uh, talking about the first time that she saw an interracial kiss on film, and she references the Omega Man. She's like, yeah, she's like, I remember Charlton Heston and Rosalind Cash. They, you know, they kissed, and it's the first time I ever saw that on the screen. She would later interview Charlton Heston and tell him about that and the effect it had on her. And I guess during the course of that interview, Charlton Heston leans over and just plants a big one on Whoopi Goldberg. So (laughs) Bad touch. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I get the sentiment and I kind of give him props for that. But at the same time, it's like... He's no Ted Danson. Well, okay, that's that's a reference that only our <laughs> only our older listeners well, are going to get. Goldberg was with Ted Danson for a while. I mean, you know, come on. The other thing was is that uh, Rosalind Cash was later asked about you know the the love scene that she had with Charlton Heston, and she's like, I was really nervous and anxious about doing this whole thing. She's like, because I'm I'm fucking Moses. Yes, <laughs> you know, Why is like shine now. Yeah, this is, she's like that's that's where I knew him from was from the Ten Commandments. Right. Like, so I'm I'm having sex Great with film. Moses. Yeah. Great, yeah. okay. Oh my god, and and we all remember the first interracial kiss on television. Well, that was that was Captain Kirk and uh, Uhura, and yeah, uh, Nichelle Nichols. Nichols. Right, right. But they were both under the control of some like I mind don't know, control, like, yeah, thing. some like some like Roman god who like quoted Shakespeare. At you knew Shatner like was probably just like yeah, no, I'll, no, I'll kiss. But, I'll but kiss I mean, her. it's like they could, it couldn't be a voluntary kiss; it had to be a forced kiss because if it was a voluntary kiss, it would never have gone on TV in those days. Well, and. I I think that the I think that the producers, you know, outlook on this whole casting choice was very similar, right? You know, these are the last people in the world. You know, if you don't get a choice, then of course you're just going to take what you get, which is kind of dismissive and a little bit. I mean, I I applaud them for casting that way, but at the same time, it's sort of a backhanded compliment, right? Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, you see them later out at the drugstore, and she's buying birth control pills. And laughing. And laughing. <laughs> yes, because birth control pills were available over the counter in 1971's version of 1974. It gets very complicated. Yes. But, yeah, so, and and so, the next time they're there uh, at, uh, uh, well, okay, go ahead. So, Richie goes off to the family to try and convince them that, hey, you guys can be normal. Look at me. So, he leaves. Charlton Heston leaves because he's going to go tell Dutch and the kids on the farm, hey, we're getting ready to leave. We've figured out the the cure. I don't know that they refer to it as a vaccine. No, it's the cure. It's the cure. Whatever. Uh, The boys don't cry vaccine. Yes, exactly. I was just about to say. Uh, And then lastly, Lisa's like, well, if we're going to do that, I want to go to the store because I want to pick up some new, you know, threads. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing me in this for a long time. Right. And he's like, yeah, that's probably not the best idea, but okay, sure, fine. Just, you know, and... and She's like, I'm going to put on some shades and wrap up my hair in a scarf, and so it'll be a good reveal later in the film. Yes, yeah. So everyone has fucked off. And then we see things in quick succession. We see Charlton Heston end up at the farm and tell Dutch, who's very excited about science... He's the only person in this film who seems to be very excited about science, but he is. All the kids are like, yay. One of the kids asks him if, if uh, Neville, if he's God. 
Yeah. At one point. And he's like, um, well, let's see if I can get this cure working and then you can call me God. Right. Right. Flying in the face of the Ghostbusters logic of if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and at some point, uh, Neville uh, goes, uh, he finds out that Richie's missing, and then he goes to the the family's place, and then finds him like tied up to a chair. With well, his Richie throat left cut him a something. note. Oh, Richie left him a note. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like a little note on top of one of his like Caesar heads in yes, his apartment. Of right? course, yeah. yes. Yeah, he doesn't just immediately know, because I don't think that he knows exactly where the family is holed up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Richie knows, because they're at the uh, the Los Angeles uh, the Police Center. Department. Or the, yeah, the, right, yeah. Yeah. The big building that we all know that we see, you know, in, in Dragnet all the time. Yes, yeah. Not to be confused with the Griffith Observatory, which we see everywhere in every movie ever. Right. Well, that was in the uh, the, the the Vincent Price version of the movie. Yes, that is absolutely true. Except it was a weird chapel inside. I don't know. It's like a dream, you know, when you're in your dreams and you go into a place that you know, and it's a completely different place inside. It's really common, though, in movies for people, like, if you have the exterior you want, but the interior of it doesn't match what you need, you can put the... The, the interior that you want with any exterior, right? Mm-hmm. Only people that know the building are going to know the difference. Yeah, that's true. That happens a lot, I think, with the Wrigley building here in Chicago. Like, the yeah. outside of the Wrigley building is very distinct. But as is the inside. As is the inside, but you don't necessarily always see Now they them. just get like a regular office yeah, building. Yeah, it's just like, inside, okay, right? fine, sure, here you go, yeah. office building. Yeah. So, Charlton Heston makes it to where Richie said he would be. Richie's dead. Such a fucking waste of the whole sciencing of the science. You know, these adolescent boys, they got to, you know, they got to rebel. That's true. They got to rebel. That's, you know? yeah. He's the father figure and he doesn't take enough time to explain to Richie. Oh, if he, if he even could. I mean, well, I think that. Because I mean, I, Richie had a point, right? He did. And I think that that's kind of the crux of this, of this version of the I Am Legend story. The crux of this film is, are you a better version of humanity if all you're really doing is trying to wipe out the people who aren't like you? Right. And the counterpoint is like, from from Neville's perspective is, are you a better version of humanity if you turn your back on all of the advancements that we as a society or or a a species have made like what are you going to do devolve into a planet of the apes or something which is apparently what's going to happen right Mm -hmm. but it's all in the same universe this movie and and planet of the apes (laughs) there were two charlton estens they were twin brothers yes one was an astronaut yes and And the other he left the planet in 1968 or something like that so he and and then he's going to be gone in space for like a thousand years or whatever yeah million years however that worked Yeah, yeah i can't remember Thus, we see our third act, which is he cured Richie and the family destroyed him. He's going to destroy the family once and for all. That's right. So he loads up his whatever car he's driving at that point with every munition he can possibly get a hold of. Actually, I think he, he... I don't know where he got the Jeep. I think it was a Jeep that he's driving around. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think that Dutch had that Jeep. I think it was Dutch's Jeep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he's putting ammo boxes in it. He's got all kinds of, you know, explosives. He's got On a- loan from the NRA. Yes, of course. He's got like a big caliber, like fuck all machine gun. I think that's mounted to the back of it. I mean, he's ready for war. It's a one man war. He's even wearing his flight suit, I think. With yeah. his, like, special colonel's helmet, uh, not helmet, uh, hat. Yeah, he's on. getting strapped. 
Yeah. yeah. He's 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 fucking ready to take these assholes on. And so we see, we see a very short war happen between the the two sides. He's quickly overwhelmed. Right. There's just way more of him. Well, he he he's not a very good driver in this film. No. Because he, <laughs> he crashes. He crashes. Well, they're they're actively trying to get him to crash. While they're while the family is not driving any of the vehicles, they are pushing these, you know, these trucks and stuff in front of right. the, the Jeep to yeah, try and... They cannot drive a vehicle because that's like, that's it's their, sin. part of their Ludditism, right? Yes, it is a sin. Mat- Matthias has said, no no cars, no guns. Right. But he does crash, and they do get a hold of... of uh, oh, wait, that's not what happens. I think he crashes, and they, they overrun his house. And, and, no, and, no, no, no. No. He crashes, and he blows up a bunch of them with some explosives. That's right. Right. And and then uh he like Lisa's gonna help him escape, right? So he's gotta return and get her. Right. So he returns home to but find Lisa and she's still wearing her sunglasses and her turban. Right. I think I think the correct term is head wrap, but head wrap. Yes. Uh so yes, she's in there. So are most of the main family people. And it is slowly revealed, of course, because she's got her sunglasses and her head wrap on, she has turned. While she yeah. was out. She's turned. <laughs> she's, she's turned it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She slowly unwraps her, her, head, her head wrap. Head wrap. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and removes her sunglasses, revealing her... Her spirit Halloween white uh, hairsprayed hair uh-huh. and her, her spirit Halloween uh, contact, contact lenses. lenses. Yeah. Right. And she's immediately, you know, on board with the family, which... That's like the one thing I'm not 100% sure I get is the like immediate attraction by these turned people to the family's specific philosophy. I agree that that is not explained and and the having the the illness or whatever having been turned uh doesn't make you uh all of a sudden somehow uh, affiliated with the family. Right. Uh, uh you know or, or if it does it was not ever explained that way in the course of the movie. So it is odd that she turns so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean they they did mention that early on her and Richie when they were by themselves before they met Dutch before they met all the kids out at the farm and stuff they had been part of the family but the family wasn't this weird group of albino people. Right. They, they were, were all infected, right? They were all, they all had the disease. Yes. But they hadn't turned yet. They hadn't turned yet and they were the, young enough that they didn't turn or they were semi immune to it or some kind of some kind of I don't something. I don't think that even that they were necessarily turned yet or I mean because of the way that the rules of this work are everyone is infected except for Charlton Heston. Right. So everyone was infected and little by little some people were turning and some people weren't. The thing that was bringing them all together was that Matthias was really the one person after the the extinction level event happened was going around trying to gather up the remaining people from humanity and trying to work together yeah. to you know burn bodies and right. organize society and mm-hmm. get people you know help and he's in the past I feel like portrayed as more of a sympathetic and noble person yeah he's more of an organizer but in order to solidify his political power he has to go really hard against uh uh, not matthias but uh, charlton has to neville yeah right in order to keep his people behind him he really well he becomes he becomes basically jim jones he does yeah he does Yeah. yeah because i mean weirdly enough jim jones originally when he first started his his ministry was very much 
someone that people looked up to because he was welcoming to all races. He was welcoming to all, you know, um, socioeconomic uh, states, levels, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was supposed to be the great equalizer. Yeah. And people really loved him for that. And he did a lot of public works. He worked for a lot of, like, city projects and activism things. It's just, you know, the drugs and the craziness kicked in. And then he kind of mm-hmm. got a little, you know, matthias yeah. Yeah. A little. Yeah. Well, it's just like Roger Daltrey at the end of the... Of uh, Tommy. Tommy, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. True, it's, true. It becomes the leader of a cult. Look, cults are, you know... There's it, a lot of drugs involved, you know. There's two things that happen with cults. Number one, they fall apart if they don't have a strong enough leadership or if they're just way, way too fucking weird. Or, number two, they generally go down the road of, like, something that's just bad and wrong and icky. Yeah, either they fall apart or they all wind up dead. Dead or just... In Not, jail. Yeah, dead or in jail, exactly. Um, but yes, everybody turns on uh, Neville. They destroy his home. They attempt to kill him. Well, he's down there, like, in the fountain, like, trying to shoot him with his machine gun, and the machine gun jams. Damn it. Well, he, he first he takes Lisa from the apartment. Okay, yeah. And they escape together, and they're about to get into... Or they're, they're waiting for Dutch to come so they can get into the vehicle and leave. Mm-hmm. He knows he can cure Lisa. He's got the, on him, he's got the cure. Right. The one that cured his, or her brother. Right. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they are down in, in the fountain and he's trying to shoot at Matthias, who's up in his penthouse. Mm-hmm. Matthias finds a spear that was left by a previous uh Attack. And any of the other any of the other family members who were around. Well, it was about. specifically his right hand man that climbed right. up the. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the right. Thing yeah. that tried to kill uh, Neville at one point, mm-hmm. and he throws the spear at Charlton Heston, hits him right in the chest, and he falls very Christ-like and dramatically upon the sculpture in the middle of the mm-hmm. fountain. His blood starts leaking into the fountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, very dramatically. Very dramatically, he is a goner. Yeah. Well, and Lisa sees this, and all of a sudden, her her heart is softened somehow. I don't, I don't know. know. She falls down in the bushes. Yeah. Dutch and the kids show up because they were all going to drive out to the country together, and they, they come upon the absolute what the fuckery of this scene. But it's enough time. Charlton Heston has enough life juice left in him to hand over the cure to Dutch and point out the fact that Lisa is hiding in the bushes where they retrieve her, and she's like weakened from the sunlight. You know? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and then he dies, dead. Yes. But in a crucifixion pose. Yes. Well, he gave his life so that humanity can live. Something like that. Something like that. And, of course, you know, Dutch, because he's a senior medical student who is studying for this thing, can can take that vial of serum and obviously do something with it. Right. Maybe get together with other humanity. And then there'll be another giant war against the family, <laughs> which yes. they were trying to avoid this whole time. Right. Sort of. Kind of. So, would you recommend this film? Film this flim? The flim? Yeah. Would you recommend this flim? <laughs> um, I think yes. I, well, because we we've sort of compared and contrasted over the last few days the different interpretations of the source material, and I think that of the ones that we've seen, I like this one the best. Most I agree. mostly because of the themes of change and the the ideas that sort of are at the really the core of the conflict in this film. Yeah, the treatment of the turned people as thinking, uh, uh, organizing, uh, very human-like uh, people in a, in a cult-type situation right. was more interesting than, say, the Will Smith version where they're just fast zombies with weird opening mouths. Yeah, yeah. or the 
I think that that the idea of the the newly infected in the Vincent Price, The Last Man on Earth, is also an interesting take on it. But I thought that the idea of the family is a little bit stronger than what they had in that particular well, film. And they also had that weird bit left from the Matheson book that there were some that were like pseudo vampires. And then there were some that were infected and that there was like, you know, there were all these different groups and it wasn't delineated well, the, properly. And there were the dead that came back because of the virus or the bacteria. Right. And those were sort of zombies. Those were, those the, were zombies, like the night of the living dead. And everybody hated them. The vampires hated them. And Vincent Price hated them. Right. And then there were the the living infected, which right. were the quote-unquote vampires. Okay. And those were the next those version. Were, yeah, they, they were equivalent to the family in The Omega yeah. Man. Yeah, I think... I it think just got kind of confusing. It's a Yeah, I mean, it gets a little... It's a little fraught, I think, some mm-hmm. some of it. I like the idea, though, that, that, you know, the question is, is if somebody doesn't want to change, if they're happy with what has changed them... Can can you force them to take steps backwards to become what they previously were? Right. Or are they unable to discern that what happened to them is bad and they can't tell? Yeah. You know, they're 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 too affected by the the process to to consciously uh, weigh the pros and cons of being uh, cured by the serum or continuing on in their afflicted state. Yeah, and through the lens of if you take the the scientific the biological part of it out of this and it's just a question of someone is in a cult but they're happy in the cult but the cult may be dangerous to them mm-hmm. do you let them continue on as a member of a cult yeah now yeah. these are all interesting questions that, yeah. are, that are raised by kind of all three of these i think omega man probably did it the best yeah i rank omega man one uh i am legend number two and the last man on earth number three however however Omega Man loses many, many points due to the soundtrack. Oh my gosh, the music is awful. And it's not, it's like... It's not subtle. It's not subtle. It's the 70s, right? It's like it's it's like the 70s orchestral version of a rock band. It reminded me of Jesus Christ Superstar. A little bit. You know, like, yeah, it didn't age well. No, it did not age well. But uh, yeah, I think Omega Man is a winner. And I think that that's one of the ones that gets that gets used in pop culture a lot as like a reference point, right? I think the Simpsons and one of the Treehouse of Horrors did like the ho- the Homer Man or something like that. I don't recall that's ho- yeah. Omega Man or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I think that there's a Treehouse of Horror episode that's that way. Yeah. I know in Strange Brew when the McKenzie brothers are talking about something, one of them compares himself to charlton heston in the omega man about how he took on all the guys by himself and blah 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 blah. right right i forgot that yeah yeah there's that and then there's a lot of like i mentioned kind of earlier in the episode there's a lot of pop culture that specifically draws on either themes or the story of omega man including stephen king's the stand which technically i think that there was a short story that stephen king wrote called night surf which is the precursor to the stand, but the idea of the stand is something that kind of comes from the idea of of Omega Man, the yeah, Omega Man, because yeah. there's that sort of Randall Flagg cult that sh- mm-hmm. shows up, yeah, and then yeah. the whole idea of this big pandemic that just decimates the world. Yeah. Omega Man is an important piece of cinema that's been largely forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I Am Legend is a really important piece of horror 
Like not the Will Smith movie, but the book. The book, yeah. Well, and and the, and the Will Smith movie was pretty good up until the end. I was saying, you know, they they just they lost all their goodwill by the the end of that. There movie. were a few things that were wrong during it too, but yeah. yeah. But for the most part, the ending. The music was better. Well, I mean, yeah, it's also from 2007, yeah. so yeah, of course. for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Bye.